Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. I'm going to be chatting with former adult performer, public speaker and the face of a brand new, relatively brand new, YouTube vegan cooking channel, uh, Rachel Brownstein. Rachel is the host of Auntie Rachel's Chaotic Kitchen, uh, which is, uh, like I say, a a food-based YouTube channel in which Rachel shares all kinds of incredibly creative recipes. I think what's really unique about Rachel is uh, she doesn't follow any kind of particular rules around cookery. She's an incredibly creative person and pours all of that energy and passion that she has for food and creativity into her, into her channel and into her cooking. So you genuinely do feel like you're learning something brand new that you may not have seen elsewhere. Um, so, without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Rachel Brownstein. Rachel, it would be awesome to get started with a little bit of your personal journey into the world of veganism. What's kind of brought you here? So, I suppose uh, you start seeing these TV programs, Hugh's Chicken Run, I think, and Jamie Saves Our Bacon, or whichever one it was, and, you know, these people are showing you what's been done to animals so that I can put bacon in my face. And I was like, well, okay, this, uh, I'm starting to feel a bit uneasy about this. So, you know, I'd start trying to buy British, you know, the tractor stuff. So then it's British farms because that's better. And then free range chicken because that's better. Um, And then a friend of mine actually became vegan. And she started posting things on Facebook and became associated with an animal sanctuary who rescues farm animals. And I watched Land of Hope and Glory. Okay. (laughs) And I was traumatised afterwards. I felt awful. I I felt really shitty about myself and the Mm. choices that I've been making. Um, And obviously, the more you interact with things on Facebook, the more it shows you. Like the algorithm's Mm. like, you want animal abuse videos. This is great. We'll show you more. Here you go. And and I remember one, this was, it was like a news clip of a woman in, it was either America or Canada, and it was 40 degrees outside and there was a big traffic jam and there was a slaughter truck full of pigs. And you could see her with the, the smartphone camera recording mm. it and these pigs are gasping on the floor because it's so hot. And she squirted water through the bars and got mm. arrested for criminal damage. And I just, I, I, I think that's the one that hit me the hardest right. of how, you know, we, we rail against people who put dogs in hot cars. So why is it okay for pigs to be in hot trucks? You know, and I just, the dissonance got harder and harder to balance. So I decided, as I always do, because I don't do half measures, I was like, I'm going vegan. <laughs> so I went from everything to nothing, you know, and I was very much the sort of person that would go to an all-you-can-eat steak buffet and eat all of it, <laughs> you know, and then suddenly I was like, oh, shit, I need to radically change my approach to cooking, what I'm going to buy. So I cooked my last sort of meat meal 
in December, it was Christmas dinner, 2017. I was like, right, that's going to be the last time I eat meat as much as I can. And then started buying, you know, like soy milk and soy yogurt and trying to find ways of replacing it. And then, yeah, just sort of nosedived into, or, you know, dived headfirst into the world of plants. And it's kind of, I've always loved food and I've quite enjoyed cooking, but I think this has reinvigorated that love and mm. born a, a curiosity of, okay, well, if I can't get the chewy, juiciness from a steak, what can I get that's going to kind of satisfy the, the textural things that I'm craving? And how can I get that from plants? You know, and it's it's just made me very experimental and a bit kind of creative and, yeah, adventurous, which is fun. It's a lot of yeah. fun. And what, what were the uh, what were the reactions like from friends and family? Because I imagine lots of people, if they if they knew you as you know the Rachel who goes to the all you can eat steak buffet and and you know is there there for the night, like, <laughs> and then you've transitioned to this, you know, what what was their reaction like? There was some a lot of shock, but I think you know I think a lot of my friends you know have known you know I love animals and mm. you know I've always tried to to be a caring and compassionate sort of person so i think there was a bit of really oh okay all right yeah okay <laughs> you know and and, and like my mum, she because we when we eat together we used to typically eat vegetarian you know yeah. it wasn't always we were never a sort of meat and two veg kind of family so she was like well yeah you know whenever whenever you cook for me i'm happy to eat vegan food it's it'll be interesting to see what what you can make and recommended some uh, like Otto Otto Lenghi Yotam Otto Lenghi she's okay. like I've got his cookbooks if you want to read them he does a lot of vegan stuff so yeah I think there was a little bit of shock and oh okay I didn't have you down for a tofu eater <laughs> but, uh, but yeah and then kind of a lot of support I think as well and people you know if, if I haven't seen them for a year or so like you're still vegan like oh well done mate nice one yeah that's great Having kind of got into it, you know, from an animal ethics point of view, you know, very much with that, you know, that video of that that save and the the pig, you know, receiving a, a you know, a drink in those awful moments in its in its life, um, you know, did, did you did you kind of have any any sort of feelings around the health side? Did you kind of was there any concern in you that it was like, well, I've I've just made made this decision ethically, but you know my health might have to suffer as a result of it? Or were you fairly confident in the knowledge? Yeah, I don't think that ever. I think if anything, I thought it'd probably do a bit of benefit because right. I can't eat Haribo <laughs> or you know yeah. like loads of chocolate and stuff. Um, and I've always kind of. Or in recent years, I've become more aware that we're being sold this. You need more protein, and it's a load of yeah. bollocks. So it's there, were, there was never that sort of barrier for me, really. And and then there's been because I have a, a medical condition. I've got something called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which okay. is like a connective tissue disorder. And it's gotten worse in the last few years. And I'm like, is this because of my diet? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then I'm mm. like, what do I do about that? If it is, you know, and uh, I I don't know what what and you know so I have these two a.m. you know when you're on the toilet like what would I do if I have to eat meat I'm like well I'd have to go hunting I suppose because I don't I, I couldn't see myself ever going back to buying plastic tubs full of meat yeah you know so what's the most ethical way of consuming meat well it'd be going out and catching it wouldn't it or shooting a pigeon in my backyard mm. something like that but 
I don't know, it's one of these things, again, I need to explore a bit more and find out because it's all, you know, you end up on Google having a look and you just end up down rabbit holes and misinformation. Yeah. So it's, and it's one of these things you get left with, you get the diagnosis and then out the door, go on off your fork, mm. sort it out yourself. So it's going to take money to get nutritionists and people who who know veganism and know Ehlers-Danlos to kind of get that yeah. intersectionality yeah. so they can do both, really. And I imagine that's a pretty niche group of people who know that condition really well and are vegan nutritionists. That's it. It's going to be, because I've met a load of nutritionists, <laughs> I've met mm. a load of vegans, but, you know, and a load of people with Ehlers-Danlos, but it's, yeah, getting the somebody who knows, because very little is known about the disorder. Yeah. You know, and they say, oh, it's quite rare. And it's like, it's not. It's just rarely diagnosed because, especially in the UK, you know, the NHS has been put under these ridiculous constraints of you've got 10 minutes for an appointment. So mm. if you've got someone like me who walks in with multi-system issues, you know, it's, they have to treat symptomatically rather than taking a step back and saying, right, let's look at your body. Let's mm. look at your mind. Let's look at everything that's going wrong and seeing if there's something. Because, oh, yeah, there is. There's something that would check every box that you've just walked in with. So, but, it, you know, hopefully the yeah. more time that passes and the more funding that's given to these areas and the more, you know, this Twitter is great for finding other people like you. So yeah. chronic illness Twitter. I've learned so much and found so many people that have the exact same experiences. And it's led me to kind of realise, oh, that isn't n nothing. That's actually a medical disorder that I have. And mm. when I stand up and fall over, <laughs> that's because of POTS, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's it's really interesting how these little changes you make in your life and lifestyle, you suddenly end up finding this world of information. And for me, it's helped me kind of grow as a person, as woo-woo as that sounds, but being able yeah. to understand my body and understand my limits physically mm. has helped me to become kinder with myself instead of, you're a lazy bastard, get up. It's like, yeah, I'm going to die <laughs> if I don't rest for a couple of days because I'm in a lot of pain right now. You know, yeah. it's that kind of finding balances. It's interesting and, and, and good to hear, I think, that you've, you've found, um, you know, like-minded and people going through similar experiences on, on social media. Has your, you know, experience of social media, either in the vegan community or, or, or outside of it, you know, is it, is it generally been that positive? Because, you know, I, I suppose for, for most people it's probably not. I, I'm wondering, like, you know, Moving into the vegan community, have you found it a more positive space or or, or are there just as many problems as sort of non-vegan social media, if you like? Yeah, I mean, I joined a couple of Facebook groups, um, like one's for Aquafaba, one's for Satan. Mm. And, you know, you read through a few posts and like, oh, this is really nice. Everyone's, oh, there we go. <laughs> There's the bitching. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know, I guess it's this kind of shield that computers give us or social media gives us it's like I can say anything I want because they can't see me and so I think yeah sort of our our social compassion and perhaps our common decency is being slowly eroded online because with the things you say online for a lot of people they just wouldn't say to your face no, and it's, but they suddenly feel empowered because they've got a device there it's, you know so it's like a bit of anonymity yeah, yeah there's enough there's plenty there's as many assholes in the vegan community as there is in, in real world in real life yeah, yeah sadly I'll probably have to agree uh, <laughs> 
thinking about you know the the inspiration behind the the, the channel because mm. you know and, and coming at it from the angle of, of what we've just talked about there and the, and the presence on social media what has struck me about it apart from the uh, the you know the great cooking and the and the, the and the tips and tricks and so on is that the feeling it creates is one of getting to hang out with you in a pretty relaxed space and yeah. uh, and it feels sort of slower in a good way calmer in a good way more more uh, at home than I see a lot of um, uh, sort of other vegan influencer type cooking channels and things like that which are much more um, showy if you like if they, for want of a better word much more kind of about the the presenter rather than about the relationship between the presenter and the audience which I, I think is really unique about yours and something I really enjoy was oh, that thank you. was that um, was that kind of something that you were keen to create when when thinking about it? You know, what was the inspiration behind it? COVID. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, so I I had to self isolate from the sixteenth of March last year. Okay. So two weeks in my bedroom, and then and then full lockdown happened, wow. and. You know, I got to the point, it must have been, I guess, mid-April, and I was like, okay, I've watched uh, Tiger King. <laughs> I've, watched, I've watched all the Netflix. I've done that. Uh, <laughs> I've made a banana bread. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've got a sourdough starter. Everything's cool. And I'm just, you know, and I needed, and I could, I, so I have depression and anxiety, and mm. I could feel myself circling the drain of a major episode. I was like, right, I need something to focus on. And I'm an actor and a writer, public speaker, and all of my creative outlets typically require other people or waiting right. or patience, these kind of things, whereas cooking. So I just started going in the kitchen and baking or cooking and and then I'd post something, you know, take a picture and people on Twitter were like, why don't you, you know, have a YouTube channel? <laughs> and I was like, mm. well, why don't I have a YouTube? Yeah, all right, okay, why not? So, and it was literally as, as easy as that. And because I thought as well, um, creating a kind of not passive income but creating a revenue stream that didn't rely on me leaving the house was mm. going to be invaluable because I don't think this is the last time we're going to see this kind of thing mm. until we start radically changing our eating choices um, I think this kind of thing is yeah. sadly going to keep happening maybe not to this extent but I think you know certainly yeah. the way we travel the world and the way we you know anyway uh, so I thought it's great it's a great time to build something and start creating uh, a little brand for myself, a little business. And the thing I find annoying for me, like TV chefs in particular, is they'll just tell you to use something, but they don't say why they're doing it. And I'm like, right. but why are you putting that in there? What, what does it do? <laughs> so yeah. I made a sort of decision, right, anytime I put something in that's not obvious, I want to try and explain why I'm doing it. And if, and if I don't mm. know, I'll say I don't know, but I'm going to find out. You know, and kind of show people my working out, as it were. Yeah. You know, and I don't practice anything typically. You know, I, I just I turn the camera on. I have a rough idea in my head. I've got ingredients. And I'm like, right, let's see what happens. Start boshing things in a pan. And people seem to really be enjoying that. And like you say, it's that informality, I suppose. Mm. It's just me in the kitchen and, that, and the kind of Auntie Rachel... <laughs> very much the chaotic kitchen as it was started, as I was editing I was like there is that sort of kind of I'd like people to think I can I don't know where to go for advice I'm going to go ask Auntie Rachel 
you know and yeah. I'm not a parent and I don't think I ever will be a parent but I'd love to have little you know and I'm not I don't have any siblings so you know and I guess it's that from other cultures that you know call uncle and auntie to yeah. to sort of uh, you know older people or, or just any other people that they see I kind of like that I like I think it builds a really nice connection in a way so yeah the, the channel is very much just me experimenting and I don't I try not to hide my failures and, you know and people so on YouTube you can see all of your analytics and I know this is wrong because I know a few women watch it, but according to YouTube, 100% of my viewers are men, <laughs> which I think is hysterical for a cooking show. But, you know, so I've had, like, meat-eating guys say, you're the only woman that could make me go vegan. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying what you're doing. You know, and I've had someone said, oh, I made my wife the apple butter the other day and she loved it. Or, you know, I made the grits cake and it's incredible. So just getting these guys cooking, you know, and I, I, it's unfortunate that this is special to me that men cooking is such a, oh, that's great. Yeah. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. So, and if I can help normalize that, you know, encouraging guys to get into the kitchen and nourish themselves and entertain themselves in a non-destructive manner. And yeah, that's great, you know. And, and fascinating that there's lots of non-vegan folks as well coming to the channel. I think that's, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> so guy, a lot of, guy, of the guys know me from my past work as an adult film star. Yeah. So they, you know, and then I was doxxed, so that's how they know my real name. Right. So they obviously come, they Google, and then, oh, what's she got on YouTube? Oh, that's not what I expected, but hang on. <laughs> what's she doing with her sweet potato? <laughs> She's making fudge out of it. <laughs> you know, so it's this... Um, and if that helps create, you know, vegans, stealth, stealth veganizing, I think yeah. that's a wonderful thing. Well, it's an angle I've not come across yet, but, but why not? <laughs> you know, I think... <laughs> Like it's like the sort of Trojan horse of uh, you know, bringing people into the community. Absolutely. What's the reaction been like from you know perhaps those folks from that from who know you from that past industry? Have they generally like like you say they've taken to vegan cooking and accepted this is this is where yeah. Rachel's at? It's great. Yeah. So I did a podcast interview a couple of weeks ago, and I after retiring like 10 plus years ago I was kind of like right I'm done with that it doesn't serve any purpose mm. I don't make any money from it so I'm just going to walk away and then you know people harass and hound and everything mm. and I just you know tried to kind of keep my head down a bit but recently I've started doing public speaking and I've written a book all this kind of stuff and I did this podcast and I thought oh, well I'd like to share this with my followers but I kind of I suppose need to out myself so I mm. put something on face uh, well on all my social media and said you know used to do porn and now I do this <laughs> you know yeah. and the amount of comments and the support and the love of guys saying I know you from your past work and I've, I, I love that you've reinvented yourself and I love watching everything you're doing now I think it's incredible you know, yeah it's, it's really beautiful like I was crying <laughs> reading these comments just like oh my god this is so touching yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 brilliant that you've that you found this, you know, a different career and uh, and moved into this space. And it, like I say, if you if it takes some people who were fans before and moves them into a new space and gets them cooking, and you know, what, why not? I say, it's a great yeah. great shout. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, like you know, this this project of you've come up with this idea, you want to you want to 
create this YouTube channel. Obviously, you've got a creative past, you know, public speaker, actor, all of these, all of these kind of different creative streams. But taking on the kind of technical challenges of, and we we talked about it before we started recording a little bit. But taking on the technical was that was that a learning curve for you, or were these skills you kind of brought from the past? I, I don't know if curve's the right word. It was like a. <laughs> <laughs> so I had um, so with when you as an actor you have to do self tapes, right? So I had editing software. I used Filmora, but my experience of editing was title card clip title card sent okay so suddenly i had to <laughs> take four hours of cooking <laughs> and still up to <laughs> 10 minutes and then you know and work around all of these many issues that doing this kind of stuff throws up you know suddenly like oh well i can't use that because and it took a while because everything's i do everything myself so i would be talking and explaining something and then I'd have an like oh shit I forgot to do this and then I'd and then I'd forget and turn my back to the camera and just <laughs> stop talking and just going off in my head like oh my god so but it's like as I'm relaxing into it because I guess I've been filming since July so I don't know what six seven months now you know and as I'm relaxing into it I can get my b cam and i can pull it in and out of shot because at the beginning i kept forgetting it <laughs> right. just, i can't use any of this so and it's and then now i'm getting better with the edit like the jamaican ginger cake that we, we were talking about like a few yeah. people said i think that's the best one yet just the way that you're editing it and moving things around is just really skillful and i can't believe you've taught yourself how to do that so it's but again i buzz off it you know, being able to, like, yeah. seeing a problem and then thinking, okay, how can I get around this? And then, so the the ident thing where you see the, the crosses come up, I was like, you can't do really animation in the, in the software. So I got, like, a screen recording app, drew the crosses and put <laughs> them over, like, a green picture and then chroma keyed it back out again and just sat down afterwards like i cannot believe i've just figured out how to do that like <laughs> proper buzzing off it you know so it's just it's wonderful to to teach yourself things and to explore and throw yourself in really hot like wholeheartedly just leaping towards the unknown i think is incredibly empowering is there is there an element of you having found this kind of creative outlet in this that is I suppose potentially a little bit apprehensive about sort of us going back, you know, if it's June 21st and everything's kind of, you know, we're all out in the open again uh, and everything's, you know, as it was before, not that it probably will be, but, you know, in that imaginary world, if it, if it is, and, you know, we go back to the the treadmill that we were all on before, how, how would you feel about that? I don't know. It's a weird, I mean, because I've... <laughs> tend to spend most of my time on my own anyway so <laughs> i was ready for this <laughs> you know, this isn't such a shock to me i'm like nah <laughs> I look at you all floundering and i'm here yeah okay i'm ready bring it on um i think it's going to be a real struggle for some people who have especially people who are very social then they're mm. suddenly very isolated and then suddenly going back out into the wild again 
I think, because I've certainly noticed when I'm speaking to people, you know, if you're chatting to a shop assistant, you mm. just get very tired afterwards. So I think we've all become mm. slightly institutionalised. And I think we've got this, you know, having to maintain two metre distance. I get back from the supermarket and I'm exhausted, you know, because mm. it's, you just have to be on on your guard like oh my god this old lady's like here <laughs> like get, get your shopping barger out the way so I think it's going to take a, a long period of readjustment to get and I don't know if we ever will get back to normal but that's not necessarily a bad thing in in some ways obviously and there are other parts of me that grieve maybe is the right word mm. you know for the the world that we had but i I'm trying to live in hope that we're going to learn some stuff from this and we're going to realise these things aren't necessarily as important as we thought they were, but these things are much more precious than we realised. You know, and teaching us skills and how to navigate the online world, you know, and embrace technology, but then really treasure those kind of in-person interactions that we have. And nature, hopefully, because we've all... Mm. You know, we've all gone on our daily walks and we go outside. And I think the first lockdown in particular, I wish I'd spent more time outside listening because the sound of human silence was just phenomenal. Like mm. hearing birds doing this call and call and respond to the call. You know, you could hear one group of birds and then, and just there must have been thousands of them making this noise. And I was just mesmerized. But then I was like, all oh, right, yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. And then... And then suddenly it was like, look, restrictions are lifted. I'm like, oh, there are the cars again and the planes. Mm. Okay, I've missed an opportunity, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you, but particularly that first lockdown. It was, there was that sense. And there was a real reconnection, I think, with things that were important, you know, whether it's, mm. you know, you appreciated the time you have when, with family or appreciating, um, you know, your... Uh, your surroundings and nature and so I, I think those were, were really important I, I do have a bit of a fear or concern almost that we will be we're racing to get back and we'll be yeah. you know so excited to do all the things that we did before that we'll see an explosion in international travel and it'll be worse than it was before and or, yeah. I, I hope not but um, there's a the sort of, as a counter to your optimism there's a, probably a little pessimistic side of me that says is that going to happen um, but I hope yeah. not let's hope not <laughs> I mean the thing that's and this has been on my mind since you know very early on like we already had really bad plastic waste problems I yeah. just dread to think you know because within a couple of months there were just masks all over Everywhere. and I don't live in a particularly busy neighbourhood and even mm. there it was just you know, I'm like, you dirty bastards. Why would you, you know, why? Why are we doing this? So those places in the ocean where there's just like these yeah. islands of trash, what are they made of now? That's, mm. <laughs> but then I'm like, don't think about it, just eat some cake. <laughs> Otherwise you'll yeah. crawl into a hole and never come out. Well, that that's the that's the scary thing. But yeah, I think probably we'll, we'll be okay if we think about Jamaican ginger cake. Right, and, uh, that and dolce de leche, it solves everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, something that's, going back to the, the channel, uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to sort of understand a little bit about where you, got, you get and have got the inspiration for your recipes on, because there is a real sense of, um, for me, of like, you know, really kind of comforting home cooking a lot, as well as, but as, well as it feeling creative. And... Um, 
and kind of st- often things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought to try. So, where's yeah, same? <laughs> so, where 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 have they come from? Um, I honestly, most of the time, I don't know. I just I'll see something, and then I'll. I don't know. I don't know how it works. And I, w- I wish I could had a better answer than that. But so I think like I made <laughs> sweet potato fudge. And I think that started <laughs> because I'd made, what did, I made a, I think I made a pate from sweet potato. And then I thought, oh, I could use that process. And it's quite sticky and gooey. And oh, I'd want some fudge. <laughs> and I just, I have these like, I have the, I want this end result. And this is what I've got. What can I put, mm. you know, what can I do? Um, yeah, it's very, I have a very active brain late at night. I'm a very much a night owl. Mm. And the, the more tired and stressed I am, the more creative I get. I think my brain's trying to escape <laughs> the darkness that's in there. It's like, cake! <laughs> <You know? laughs> What's nice? What can you feed yourself that's going to make you feel better? Um, but it is, it's about this kind of, um, yeah, the more experimental it is, the more fun I find it. You know, and so I'm, last weekend I made a creme brulee, and I was just like, well, I'm going to use silken tofu because that's kind of a bit wobbly, and <laughs> coconut cream and uh, condensed milk. Let's just see what happens. So it is just very experimental, and I, and when I made the Jamaican ginger cake, when I did the dolce de leche, I thought, oh yeah, I wonder what happened because I pressure cook that for 15 minutes and I thought at the time I wonder what would happen if I made this really dark if I put it in for an hour would it go black what would happen so I thought I'll do that for the creme brulee it doesn't go much darker (laughs) so that's going to need more experimentation (laughs) but uh, yeah I just you know I have a little notepad next to my bed with just little ideas that I'll jot down and then and then each time I do a recipe, it kind of sparks off ideas for another three or four and, you know, yeah. techniques that I learn. Or I'll watch the two ones I watch on YouTube are Sauce Stash and Connie's Rawson Kitchen. Those were kind right. of the two first channels I started watching as I transitioned. Well, I didn't even transition when I went vegan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sort of, and they're very... Because that's the kind of cook I've always been, just experiment, just throw things in a pan, see what happens. And then seeing them do that with plants, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's some fun in that. And especially with, with Sauce Dash, he's just got this little kid kind of vibe to him, like, oh my God, he just gets so excited. I'm like, I want that. <laughs> I want to be blown away by ingredients. So there was there was no cooking history, like formally, no training. You, This is all, all creativity. Me. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked in restaurants, but front of house yeah. since, I don't know, age 13, I suppose. So some of the techniques, like I know how to quinelle, <laughs> like do fancy okay. scoops. Um, nice. So there's, there is little bits of cooking knowledge, I suppose, but I'm very much a home, you know, self-taught home cook, learned from my mom. But when I started filming, mum said to me, like, I remember you as a kid experimenting while we were baking like you'd instead of putting milk in a cake you'd put orange juice because you wanted to see what would happen when you were like eight so i and she said i (laughs) i guess this is where you were always meant to be i guess everything you've done in your life was always kind of going to pull you back in this direction you know it's it's that yeah i just i love 
<laughs> I like pushing boundaries, I suppose, in a way of, yeah. yeah, like what can I do with this food that's going to be unexpected? And, and I love being surprised. Have you had have you had folks kind of starting to re- request the the recipes be put into some sort of other form, you know, into book form or a blog or? Yeah, people keep asking me if I'm going to do a book, uh, and I would love to do that. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I'd love to do like um. Sorry, my mom got me a book for my birthday, which is the Food Lab. Uh, I want to okay. say K. Kenji J. Alto and it's the most ridiculous book I've ever seen it's amazing <laughs> it's 700 odd pages and it's each page is like a magazine kind of thickness so you can yeah. it, it's that thick and it's that big wow mm, you know it's beastly yeah. you have to read it in bed <laughs> that's how heavy <laughs> this thing is but he just gets very geeky into the science of food but as a meat eater so there's very little in there about veg. It's all about the cooking temperatures and the Maillard reaction mm. and, uh, you know, should you salt beef before or after cooking, this kind of stuff, which is great. And I do kind of learn a little bit about food that way. But I would very much like to to do something that detailed, but do it for plants, you know, because right. I've got all these powders in my cupboard, the, all these starches and gums and all sorts, and I don't really know anything about them. So to, you know, to get a publishing deal or however it happens, you know, and then be like, okay, I'm getting paid to find out about this stuff and go and speak to food scientists and, you know, really start understanding why I'm putting these things in my food, you know, because I do it a little bit, but it's just guesswork. So to be able to have a more informed guess would be great. And, you know, I've thought about doing a course as well, like an online course, because I do some very, you know, I did... One video was trying to create the perfect gammon steak <laughs> because so I put I was trying to make snacks and I mixed co- potato starch and a load of spices and some water, chucked it in the air fryer, and w- when I opened it, pulled it out, it was like jelly, like it looked like bacon. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> so that's just kind of, a meat substitute. Yeah. <laughs> mad like I, I mean i'll email it if you like the pictures that i took i was like that yeah. looks like raw bacon okay what can i do with this so then i spent i don't know nine hours in the kitchen filmed it all and just doing different different starches with oil different starches with water different starches with yogurt you know what's all this gonna do so i guess i was subconsciously building up course material potentially Mm. you know so i've just got a hard drive full of stuff that i wouldn't want to put on youtube because it's not my best you know it's it's stuff that would be better in a kind of course setting you know something that doesn't need to be quite as polished or you know switched on and it's okay if i've got my back to the camera because i'm depressed (laughs) that kind of thing (laughs) i love this almost like scientific approach to your creativity you know like i'll keep trying and testing and trying and testing and how did that work and then noting that down you know is that that seems like quite a unique style to you i've not heard many other people (laughs) sort of approach it like that i think it's quite fascinating yeah it it was sort of i mean and that's that isn't typically how i cook i rarely rehearse anything practice anything but i think especially after seeing this (laughs) potato starch bacon i was intrigued like i need to do a bit of (laughs) okay and you know i keep having these ideas of oh i should do that and maybe do a multi-step 
thing and do a kind of almost experiment lab setting kind of mm. deep dive into it. I mean, I've made, uh, so I made gummies out of apple, like cause I have an apple tree in my garden. <laughs> I get so many apples <laughs> last year. So I made gummies out of that. Then I made licorice <laughs> out, out of the apple puree. And it's, yeah, it's kind of fascinating, these random powders that I get from special ingredients. <laughs> like these are special. I can't even imagine, like, having the, almost the, what's the word, the sort of courage to buy them. You know, like, because I just think, oh, I don't know, what the first thing to, but I love, it's just such a, you know, joy of creativity like i'll just buy them and see what happens it typically happens because i'll be either on ebay or amazon at two in the morning like oh yeah i need so the other day i bought a smoker because <laughs> i made vegan cheese and now i need to smoke it oh, okay. but you know so i'll be like oh i wonder what this thing is oh i'll buy some of that and try it and then it's like you might also like i'm like yeah i need some what well, i've got two pots and it's i can't remember what it's like calcium something and sodium something else and it's what they use for uh, molecular gastronomy to make you know like the little pearls of stuff yeah i was like oh i'll make sausage casings <laughs> i've been in there for a year <laughs> not even touched it but you know one day <laughs> but yeah i do kind of i like i like doing something and then it not being quite right and then i think oh do you know what do you know what might work in there that random thing i bought six months ago that i haven't touched That'll that'll do that job, and I love that. <laughs> the uh, uh, another thing that's kind of fascinating about it, and your your approach to it is, you don't sort of shy away from trying to make meat substitutes and cheese substitutes and things like that. You know, like whereas I think most sort of vegan cooks, particularly kind of home cooks, wouldn't probably attempt that kind of stuff. They would buy that stuff shop bought and mm. then kind of make you know, stuff purely out of, like, you know, make carrots out of carrots kind of thing. You know, it wouldn't be, <laughs> yeah. what can I do with this and make something? It has the kind of, like, appealing particularly to maybe your own, you know, former tastes, uh, taste profiles, the things you used to enjoy, as well as the omnivorous folks now that you're kind of interacting with. It is appealing to that palate important to you as part of the channel and part of your cooking. Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, the meat substitutes are expensive um, and they, they generate a lot of plastic waste as well. So there's part of it is trying to eliminate some of that. Um, and also, because I, I never really ate pre-packaged food. So now mm. it just seems mad to be vegan and eating processed food. Like, mm. you know, it's, there's that kind of, but I still haven't got it right. There's still that fucking wheat gluten flavor. <laughs> but, so, yeah, it's that. I think my palate woke up when I stopped eating animal products and I was like, what is it? Okay, so what, what is it I'm missing? What do I want? Chew and crunch became very important and hot sauce I started eating more I think because you because you don't have the chew you start looking for other sensations or mm. for me I did anyway and I just yeah I find it it reassuring maybe that I can go in the cupboard and make meat 
you know, something yeah. that's very high protein. And I'm like, this is the perfect apocalypse food. <laughs> so <laughs> like, when the zombies come, I'll be all right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if there's no cows, I'll still be able to feed myself protein. You know, but it's that, again, just this joyous exploration of different sensations and textures mm. and what can I put in here and that's missing something oh, I'll chuck some tequila in it because oh, that tastes mm. gamey <laughs> like it's mad the way the, the things wow. you suddenly discover and it's like you know those uh, what do they call them exploded views you see especially in yeah uh, in like, like in product uh, marketing and stuff yeah yeah, see, yeah yeah I, I know what you mean yeah yeah so it's that is what my power has become it's like and then suddenly yeah. I'm like oh it's this 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 and this these are the elements that I'm missing from a right. steak you know it has that kind of rancid off vibe that venison has and but then it's got this sweetness and you know how do I get that into what I'm trying to make so it's yeah it's it's so interesting <laughs> it's just yeah. the best way of, you know trying to and it, I guess you be, you develop or I've developed a language almost or a wider vocabulary mm. of what it is that I'm looking for whereas before I was like oh yeah I just want something meaty it's like yeah but what does that mean what does yeah. what is it that you want from meat so now I'm much more able to better specify <laughs> I want to bite into yeah. something and it bursts loads of juice into my mouth or you know I want something that feels good between my molars or you know mm. it's able to pinpoint things where do you stand on the on the meat substitute stuff? You know, because like we, you talked about there. You know, they're they're often expensive. The plastic packaging not great, etc. But as somebody you know who's transitioned into the world of veganism, did you find you know, initially you relied quite heavily upon them? Did you, do you think they still have a place, or do you think that there's a slightly dangerous element of potential for putting people off veganism because they might not be that as healthy? Uh, if they, you know, eat a lot of meat substitutes, and also they they won't feel any cost savings of not buying meat because they're buying quite expensive substitutes. Where do you think they sit? Do they have a role? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I think. <coughs> excuse me. I think it's it, it's all well and good having these ideologies of you should just eat whole food and you know just mm. quinoa or mm. whatever. It's just not practical, you know, and I. I think, you know, for people who have, who are transitioning or who are even just wanting to have, like, one meat-free meal a, a week, I think meat substitutes, they provide a bit of familiarity. And I think when you have familiarity, if you have a sort of relatively stable foundation, you can then start being become a bit more experimental or adventurous. You know, if you... Mm. I, you know, plants aren't the most exciting thing to eat sometimes unless you really know yeah. what you're doing so to expect somebody to go from eating meat and all animal products to then suddenly just eating food uh, plants mm. without giving them any tools or anything that's familiar it's just gonna i think it's a very difficult especially for people in the uk because you know the palate the spices it's you know it's the cuisine that's not packed full of herbs and spices well it's becoming more so i suppose but com whether you compare to something like middle eastern food or indian food they're very you know potent in their aromatics and, and flavorings so it's i think easier to okay we'll 
cut out the mince lamb and just put chickpeas, you know, because you've got all this other stuff going on. Whereas I think meat substitutes, yeah, they're not <laughs> the most healthful thing to be eating. Mm. You know, and I certainly don't eat them every day of the week. But sometimes you just want a burger. <laughs> you want something yeah. that's just filthy and, you know, just <laughs> tastes good. And like I had um, the... I want to say Rebel Whopper, the plant-based. Yeah. And do you know what? <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> like, and I didn't have that horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach like I used to get with beef burgers. You know, it was just taking ages to digest. I was like, I'm full, but I don't feel heavy, which was nice. And I could see other people eating it and just, and you know, and they were like having this thing with their mates, like, oh my God, this actually tastes all right. And that's so exciting. You know, when you hear stories how KFC are selling out of their plant-based chicken like that, I just think that's wonderful. You know, anything yeah. that contributes to eating and abusing less animals, for me, is, is something that should be embraced and shouted about. Yeah, 100%. Talking about the... Because the, the, you mentioned in there about you know, having the ide ideology around whole food plant-based or being raw vegan. And, you know, the way that we, um, you know, the way we share a lot of information, as you and I both do, is through social media and, our, you know, the platforms that we that we build, etc. But there's certainly been in the last few years, uh, I'm sure you've seen in the, in the, you know, three or four years since becoming vegan, that there's a, a rise in that kind of lifestyle veganism on social media, particularly on platforms like Instagram and so on, the the kind of, um, you know, the, the version of the the yogi who uh, eats uh, quinoa three times a day and so on and so forth. Um, uh, and there's a certain look that is associated with that and all that, mm. that kind of thing. Do you think that's potentially, um, uh, you know, not particularly conducive to bringing folks along uh, into the vegan community this is probably a diplomatic way of putting it I don't mean to ask a leading question but I, I'm just I'm just intrigued as to your particular perspective on it yeah I think there is definitely a stereotype isn't there of you know because people will find out I'm vegan I'm like oh, I didn't know you were vegan I'm really sorry that I said all that shit <laughs> it's alright some of them bring it on themselves don't they really but you know, I think, I suppose for me, I I had the capacity to become one of those preachy vegans when I started finding out what was happening in terms of animal cult agriculture. And it was because I didn't know. But then when, once mm. I did know, I could make changes. So then I guess there's a thought pattern of perhaps they don't know. So I, if I tell them, that might help. And But then not everybody wants to know because then you have to make changes. So I, I guess when the certain the lifestyle vegans you know and, and the ones who are less understanding not not everybody feels the same way that's why i don't really talk about veganism on the channel i don't, you mm. know i call it i rarely say vegan in the videos i title it vegan because that helps with the seo <laughs> but yeah. you know it's not i don't make a big point about it being vegan vegan you know just because i know that can be a bit off-putting for people and i guess maybe they worry is this woman going to show me animal abuse videos that I really don't want to see? You know, because yeah. some of them do. Um, but yeah, I think, <laughs> I don't know, especially with men, I reckon, 
because quite often you see people like um, what's his name like Earthling Ed I suppose mm. like to mm. me I think very handsome chap but then he's mm. very slender in frame so then your big lads are like well I don't want to look like him because he's you know it's like is that causing his boundary I don't know but yeah there is a certain aesthetic I think that people stereotypically think of and not all of us fit that brief. You know, I mm. I look pretty much the same. My face has gotten a lot thinner, but I still eat like a pig. You know, I <laughs> and that shocked me really that I lost weight despite and lost fat without trying. Mm. It's like, oh, so there is clearly some health, you know, health benefits to the vegan diet mm. without even trying to. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> On that subject, did you did you because uh, we we didn't really touch on it uh, too much, but did you did you feel a ton of health benefits as as you went no. through the the, the the journey? No, I mean, and I suppose maybe that's in part because I did eat kind of vegetarian a lot, you know. So I had yeah. meat maybe yeah. two three times a week, and the rest I'd just you know have something uh, like a shakshuka or I suppose something you know with eggs or whatever. And I maybe did think oh maybe i'll start feeling a bit healthier and yeah. if i didn't have the medical condition maybe i would you know maybe it's because it's there's a chronic fatigue element to it so i'm knackered a lot of the time i need to stop mm. saying knackered <laughs> um shattered would be a better way of putting it you know mm. so it's it was difficult to say oh yeah i feel better and that's because right of going vegan but yeah i've certainly noticed around here I'm much more, I'm much slimmer and in the collarbones as well. Mm. And when I, after maybe, I suppose, six months after changing, I'd lost weight, but my clothes fit the same. So I wonder if I was losing the fat that sits around your organs. Like the, is it visceral fat, mm. they call it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've wondered if, if I'm losing fat that I can't really see as such, which is, is kind of interesting. But, yeah, it was never the the reason for it was more of a a bonus kind of thing yeah, if that makes sense nice byproduct yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it, j- just for folks who've not um, seen the channel yet where where would you recommend they start is there a favourite recipe for you is there one that really stands out for you as maybe mm. you enjoyed making it or or you just think it's the the, the best thing to try to start um, so I think huh. So my personal favourite video is the uh, chocolate and chestnut sweet potato tart with spiced cherry ginger, uh, spiced ginger cherry butter. And it's my favourite because the oven died (laughs) in the middle of making it. Uh, And this was on Christmas Eve just gone. And the fact that I kept going... And I kind of sidestepped and I adapted. It's like, okay, how am I going to do this thing? Because inside, I was like, just sack this off and go back to bed, Rachel. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> and I came, and it came out amazingly. And I was so proud of myself that I'd. Well, I was proud of it anyway. But then, on top of everything else, was just brilliant. But I think that one's a good because it's, there's like three no four different components so there's the fruit butter which i've made a a few different fruit butters so that kind of gives you ideas and the technique of how to do it then there's the the sweet potato filling so again you can use that for multiple different recipes and then there's some pastry and then there's a ganache on top so i think it it could be a good one for sparking off other ideas of oh maybe i could try that but with something else you know um 
Yeah, I suppose. Or the not shepherd's pie. If some, if people are, you know, like sort of people who are thinking, maybe do I want to go a bit plant-based? That's a great one because it's, you wouldn't necessarily know there's not meat in it because mince yeah. doesn't really have that meat sort of thing. And I've, I use lentils and mushrooms to compensate and a bit of seitan. Uh, but that, and polenta on top instead of mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. <gasps> Revelation. Nice. <laughs> nice. Cheesy polenta on top of everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's another a good one to spark off some ideas and think, oh, okay, mm. yeah, you can kind of just put loads of things in and surround it in gravy and then put it under a duvet of corn and it will be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's kind of, um, if, if anything, sort of showing people... Uh, the creativity that you've applied is applicable to them. So, like you say, it sparks off a uh, hundred ideas that you could do yourself. When once you start getting out of the idea that you know in that in that sort of shepherdless pie, if you like, that there's <laughs> there's uh, that you don't have to put mashed potato on top. I, I think just even even that notion then makes people think. Well, actually, I don't need to put anything I'm supposed to put anywhere. I can, yeah. I can try loads of different things. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. That's it. It's because that's how it keeps happening for me. I'm like, because I was, I think I set out initially to do a, you know, mashed potato, and then I was like, mm. maybe did I have no potatoes? <laughs> I can't even remember how it happened, but I was like, no, polenta would be good, you know. And it's yeah, it just and yeah, once I do something, as the action of doing it then creates, I guess, a pathway, and then my brain is like, yeah, but what mm. about that? <laughs> you know, so it just <laughs> it's it really does start firing off creativity where I didn't expect it. I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a great, I think, um, reason to get involved in the channel amongst many, many others. Like I say, it does create a warm feeling of, uh, of hanging out with uh, somebody familiar. It's great. Nice. Love it. So it's really nice to hear. So on that note, where would folks go about uh, finding you, the channel? Uh, I'll obviously put some links in the show notes, etc., for people to find, but it'd be good for them to, to hear to from To hear you. it. So I'm on... I can predominantly found on Twitter, which is Auntie mm. Rachel with an eight instead of the A, uh, but we can link it properly. Uh, and then yeah, the yeah. YouTube is Auntie Rachel's Chaotic Kitchen because <laughs> it's very chaotic. Um, and then, yeah, I keep, I'd like to do a website at some point and get the recipes up there, but it's just, I have, I need to sleep at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'll, put, I'll make sure that folks get some links in there and uh, I thoroughly recommend people checking out the YouTube channel. I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. It's great work. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank awesome. You. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thanks very much.